Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. A journey out of a place of struggle into a place of freedom, understanding who we are in you. But help us to realize that the call you've called us to live, the life that you've dedicated into our hands to express, is not an, a life that terminates in us, but is a life that seeks to express through us into our world. a question this morning um, I think about 60% of the population of people we have in the country they are Christians it's 60% an accurate number 55 okay so if 55% of the people we have in this country are Christians why are we not seeing the impact of the life of God lived out in culture? Anybody can help me with an answer. Thank you guys. Okay, so the question I want to start this morning's conversation with is if we have 55% of Christians in this country, um, yet we are grappling with issues that as dark as the devil's den. Alright. Um, France and Seal, they told me about a friend yesterday so if you've been around enough, the guy is an instrumentalist. He plays for a lot of them and he's ill. He's actually in the hospital. Um, they diagnosed him three weeks ago with um, lung cancer. So he's, we're praying for him. We prayed for him yesterday and I think we're also going to pray for him today. And he named his father. But he's somewhere in one government hospital. All right. At the time they visited him, he was supposed to have received um, three drips at that time they had done one and the day was over somewhere somebody did not look at the file when they resumed so they, now, they didn't give him the other two and 
even one of the nurses was actually just nonchalant, like, I'll go, you know. And um, the place where he was, where he's staying at the moment, there was even no ventilation. So think about it for a second. You're battling breath, and then there's now no air. 80% of the deaths in this country are unnecessary. I dare say avoidable. Some of the deaths in this country could have easily been avoided. But what I need you to see this morning is if we don't get it right, this country will be remain as dark as it is. So we know that God has called us for something beyond ourselves. We are standing in the gap on behalf of the land. All right? We're standing in the gap on behalf of the land. So this morning, I, I read a story, a story that we all know. But interestingly, I think the story gives... I, I, I need us to unpack that story this morning and find ourselves in that story. So let's turn to Luke 10, 25, if you will. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Are we all there? Luke 10, 25. I'll read. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said... What must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, the priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was traveling came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. Having poured oil and wine on them, he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let's be the reading of his word. Alright, so today this is what I need us to begin with. There are characters in this story. And I want us to pull them out of the story. So anybody here, who was the first character that struck you in the story? The who? Okay, the lawyer, the lawyer is actually there, but I'll keep him outside the story. The lawyer, yeah. Who else? Jesus, right? That told the story. The priest. Okay. Levite. The bandit. I need that one. The man, Seth. The robber. Then the victim. Innkeeper. Okay. Now, how many of them? So, the lawyer was just a troublesome man, alright? The priest. Right. 
So, I'll, I'll keep the lawyer and Jesus outside, outside the story. The lawyer is just a typical, you know all those people that they want to punch a hole in your theology. So, they're, they're, that's the lawyer type of people. They're around. So, um, did you believe that Jesus walked on water? You know, the other day, I was standing by the pool. And the tempter came to me in the name of a friend. And it was my for them now. And it was like, Jesus walked on water. Friend, you want to show us, you know, having me preaching as he is, so are we. First John 4, 17, we say it all the time. As, all right, so the man had no intention of giving his life to Christ. He was just like, Jesus, I need to poke hole in the theology. Let's, let's have some time, Jesus. So um, the law has always been to love your neighbor as yourself. The man had it right from the beginning. So he was talking about the, the vertical relationship. That I have a relationship with God. I, I love the Lord, my God, with all my strength, with all my heart. And he threw in the second one like an afterthought. And yes, I should love my neighbor as myself. All right. So there is the vertical relationship that we have with God. And there is the horizontal that flows from who God is into who we are. So at every point in time, if this is disconnected, we don't quite do this effectively. So back to our story. We have the priest. The priest. We have the Levites. We have the, the bandits. We have the victim. And then the innkeeper. But in this story, who are you here? Here is what was playing out in this story. So, but I can tell you for free, every day we wake up, we are playing it out of these roles. Because at the end of the day, these are not just characters in the Bible. This was the problem then, and it's still the problem now. So this first guy, the priest, the priest is called... Alright, he's a man of God, but he's busy about the father's business. The only problem with the priest is that the father's business is about souls. So when you're busy about the father's business and it's not souls in it, you're busy with something else, not the father's business. That's the thing. The only purpose Jesus came on earth is actually for people. He said, I came to seek, to save the lost, to seek and save the lost, to set the captives free. I think it was Luke 419 when he was talking about it to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He knew his job description. Just wasn't confused. Every day people are going for conferences. This is from Jericho to Jerusalem. The man got robbed. Alright, so so let me, let me start with the victim. Now, in every society you have the downtrodden. The victim is actually somebody who has somehow found himself in a situation where he can't help himself. Some of us have been victims in, at different times of our lives. Some of you walked past the victim this morning. The reality is that in the 21st century, we are likely to miss the victim because they are not, they don't bleed outside. The, the bleeding and the wounds are more internal. But when you see them, you know, you just try to, to scratch somebody. And the man said, I will beat you to death. You understand? You have not scratched him. You understand? You know, the point is, hurting people, sometimes the pressure brings out the wounds in them. So when you see that person who is throwing temper tantrums, more often than not, there is something that played out in their lives that left them wounded. You don't look at those people. The victim is not only those ones who are lying on the ground. They are visible. So we understand them. 
But the corporate, those ones who cover it up with the makeup, they smile all the time, but inside they're hurting. That is actually what you need to look out for. So there is that victim around. Everywhere you look, people are hurting. People have been duped. People have been robbed. People have been raped. People have been exploited. People have been victimized. People are victims of corporate politics. Someone gave you a job, you did it, they refused to pay your balance. And you're like, man, this is the third time somebody's doing me. Somebody, you know, somebody posted something the other day that the only way to keep a friend is not to borrow their money because you're likely to lose both the money and the friend. All right, so keep the victim aside. Now let's talk about the priest. The priest, those ones that they sit down and talk about the problems. They'll say, Do you know, recently down the road, the prostitutes have taken over. And I, I wish the government would be able to put some laws in place to criminalize the prostitutes. Because think about it, our children, they're going to be lured by that lifestyle. Oh, you don't want to know the G-boys, the Yahoo boys. These days they go to Woolly. They try to use charm to, to, to lure people. How sad their end will be. They say, oh, you know, the gays are everywhere in Lagos now. You see them in their pink shorts moving around. I like, oh, what a world we've come to. And they heave a sigh of relief, my God. Yeah, what are we having for lunch? Let's have a conference. The drug addicts on the loose. We analyze why people go into drugs and tell them, be warned. Don't try this alone. So, so the priests, they are busy. But the, honestly, they are busy for the Lord. So that they have a big conference. You understand? And they drive alone to the conference. Their car is empty. And they drive home. What, what you realize is that they built like an enclosure around themselves insulate themselves from the problems of the world and they just live happily ever after their own concept of heaven is Lord we need to get out of this world as quickly as possible the world is becoming a dark place but there's a problem in the theology of a priest that plays out like that because here Jesus didn't give me a pass mark he had a carryover he didn't pass this course now let's talk about the Levites the Levite is yet another category of people alright these ones they have, they've perfected the art of turning the blind eye. You know, you just see somebody trying to wave you like, I don't, I'm not riding. Like, you, you know, you saw the person with the, with the side of your eye, like, this person might need a ride. Like, no, nah, looks like my brother in the Lord, but um, there could be traffic further down the road. So, the Levites are fantastic in, the man crossed, the man was there, he just said, not be me are you today. Like, I cannot be stained. They are too prim and proper, they are so cool and collected. The, the, the Levites, you know, they take time on their makeup and everything. And the, in fact, they have to dress the parts. And it's important to them because they are the few the Lord has blessed. And that few the Lord has blessed cannot pander or tamper with anything. You know, it's all tidy upwards. They work too hard to keep up their reputation. Nothing should be, they cannot be seen with a wounded man. You know, there was a story I heard. There was somebody that, this happened very close to me actually. And a lady slumped. Um, the Gitman's girlfriend. Gitman wasn't married, so he's, you know, well, the girl slumped. And they needed to rush her to the hospital. There was only one guy with car. As the girl was dying, the guy was driving away. And he, he, he ran away. So I remember asking him that, why would you watch somebody almost die and you, you drove off? He said, you know, the, you know the stories you will hear when I get to the, when you get to the police station? The police will say, what is a dead woman doing at the back of your car? Behind bars, please. 
write a statement. A dead woman. You know, so he actually actually said that if you've lived on the street, you will understand this thing. So what, what it is is that he has somehow he has moved over to this place where he can actually watch somebody die because he doesn't want to be inconvenienced. But unfortunately for the Levites, God has called us to inconvenience ourselves for the benefit of the world. So any Christianity you subscribe to that is always trying to remove you from the problems of the world and build your fences as high as, as possible to get to heaven, that is where the problem is. It is not gospel. So Jesus here gave this man carryover. He failed the course in that class. I'll come back to the Samaritan. But let's go to the bandits. They're all around you. They're all around you. In fact, I think the problem with the bandits is that if you think, if you see them as the um, all those guys in the middle park, what's their name? Agberos. Yeah. If you see them as Agberos alone, you'll miss the point. Some of them are corporate Agberos. They wear tie, they dress up, and they speak English and say, so, um, how is it going to be without the investment you talked about? And you, God help you fall for the phone. Because you, before you wake up, you realize, what just happened to me here? So the bandits are around. They take advantage of people. They are looking forward to exploit. They are looking forward to even a vulnerable man. You understand? They would do anything. It's always about them. It's always about them. So these guys, at the end of the day, think about it in Nigeria here. Look at businesses. You know, an average Nigerian is very underpaid. Again, it depends on the industry. But you, 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 if, you, if, you, if you run a company or you work for a company and your intention is not to improve the lives of the people that work with you, I, I don't know that you can be a Samaritan there. Because if at the end of the day you want to buy a house in Dubai, you know, I was explaining to Pastor Dapo that in the last 50 years we had unprecedented oil boom. You know, but that oil boom at the time, you, you can't even look and see industries that came out of that wealth. The typical Nigerian entrepreneur went abroad to buy houses in Dubai. If you've been to Dubai, say, I'm funny, owned by Nigerians, I think there's a, that other flat, a politician bought it. How can you buy a house, lock it, and come and live in Nigeria? And you only visit once a year. And they tell his real estate, they'll be renting it out. That's expensive capital locked out of this country. Meanwhile, the SMEs are looking for money to do businesses they can't find. So what, what you find is, there is a complete lack of concept of kingdom thinking in businesses. What the average Nigerian thinks about is exploitation, not value creation. Do you know we create scarcity just for exploitation? Christmas don't come home, no supply. Go strike. Before long, you ask, you're coming in the morning, you're passing. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, top your foil, top your foil. He said, I'll do that on my way back. As you turn back, uh, chaos. Like, you like, how does this even happen? And one guy said, I got 400 naira, uh, 400 per liter. You're like, guy, how far now? You bought this thing. 97 naira per liter. Sell it 200. You're making money. Organo is 400. Why you're wasting time? Another car pulls over and says, please, load it in. I, I can't wait. And you're like, that was the only fuel I In a line. So what you find is, if you look at it, there is all of these things going on. There's a difference between profiting and profiteering. Profiteering is racketing profits. So somebody told me once that 75% of businesses in Nigeria fail after the first year, second year, third year. And I would say, you're not really a business except you survive two election circle. Because the first thing is that a lot of the businesses opened up when their brother got into government. So they became rent seekers. They packaged the proposal with no skill in mind, no, no, no intention of delivering the job. They get the job at 100%, outsource it for 20%, keep 80 Then the hungry company will now try to do it 20% and run out of money. And those ones are solving liquidity problem. 
So as long as the money has passed through the account, they know it's not profitable, but pass it nonetheless. Halfway through the road is bad, or they go for inferior stuff. The average businessman that goes to, that go to China, they tell them that, see, my people in Nigeria, they like to price. If you tell them 1,000 naira, they say, no, be 250. The man said, that's so sad. You can't get something good for two. Create a 250 own for them. And they go and create a 250 own and come and sell it for 1,000 naira. So what you find is an exploitative culture that has driven itself into commerce. So we have unemployment at an unprecedented level in this country. That is even not the real threat. The real threat is lack of gainful employment. Having a job that can't take you home after you take home your take home. That is even the, no, that is even the problem. That level, yeah, your take home can't take you home. That's the problem. So that is what we are dealing with at this bandit's level, corporate bandits. Now, the bandit is a little close to the innkeeper. The innkeeper does nothing for, for free. These ones, they are paid to do their job. They are paid to do their job, but the, the reality is that they, are, they have no, don't even, don't, don't even make mistakes. They are not joking with you. You know, there was once actually, my little boy had um, cold, so we took him to the hospital. So the first thing the doctor told us, please deposit 150. We will be working on something. And I'm thinking, okay, 150K. Okay, um, how is this going to be? Is it 150? No, the one has to be there. We might give you change. But you need to pay it ahead, right? So, you know, there was no intention of having a conversation. And that day, I said, for people not get 150 for a can, that day, I go be now. So think about it. The innkeeper is just all about profit, bottom line, bottom line. To the innkeeper, you are just a cost on the balance sheet. He doesn't see people. He uses people for profit. The profit is all they care about. They can tear you for owing them. So don't buy. Be careful with the innkeepers. Be careful with the innkeepers. Now the point is that they are delivering business. So, but are we called to deliver without compassion? So it's all about the money. But in all of these things, Christ established the church as an extension of himself. So if we look at Luke 4 verse 19, he spoke about the church. Let's look at it together. Luke 4 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogues were fixed on him. Then he began to say, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, when Christ came on the earth, Christ demonstrated for us that he had the fivefold ministries put together. So if you need to check Ephesians 4, all right, you have the listing of the fivefold ministries. But predominantly, Christ exhibited three things that I want to talk about. Christ was first, he was a priest, prophet. I'll put prophet before priest. I'll say prophet, then priest, and then king. All right. So in a sense, it's like a tripartite role. Now, what is the role of a prophet? I need you to understand this because as he is in this world, so are we. All right. And all of this dimension to his existence, we must exhibit as a body of Christ. So Christ is the head. The church is the body. What it means is that without the body, Christ is a bodiless head. And if you flip it, we, on the other hand, without our head, we are a headless body. 
But there was something else. The resurrected Christ did not need a physical body to exhibit anything. The resurrected Christ had already enacted Pentecost. He didn't need anybody. The glorified Christ was now like an app installed in us. So we all now have the life of Christ in each and every one of us. All right? Carrying that dimension of life. So at the end of the day, he didn't need the body because we are. And if God is going to love anybody, he's going to love through you. All right? If God is going to heal anybody, he's going to heal through you. So the point is, it's not necessarily getting you to be blessed. It's about getting the world's blessing through you. So he first of all has to bless you to make you a blessing. So if at the end of the day, all you care about is when God sends you 10 million, you trap it. You enter a bed, you like it, you cover land. You come back again, God send you another one. And you're not doing anything with it. There is a lack of concept to what wealth is supposed to be. If all that you pursue in Christianity is supposed to terminate in you, you have a gospel that is wrong. Or that I, I think God has nothing to do with it. The whole plan from the beginning was to get heaven into you and to spread that culture of heaven to the rest of our world. So here as a prophet, every day we wake up, we are proclaiming, we are proclaiming the good news of the Lord. There is the office of the prophet where you have the prophetic dimension and we have a few prophets here and I celebrate the emergence of the gift. As a community, we're like, ah, that's so accurate. That's so... In fact, the prophetic, eh, this season, I, I don't, you guys don't even know the half. Like, the level of accuracy I'm even picking now, I'm like, man, you know, but that is not even the... Prophecy is not just about predicting what is to come. It's also about proclaiming justice. So there is proclamation and justice. If you live in your office and you connive and you plot with injustice, you don't even know who you are. If you pander to politics, you pander to the pettiness in the office, you're the first person to come and carry this person's head, join to this one. No, that's not your job description. You're a prophet. You proclaim. You stand for justice. When you find someone that is being oppressed, you call it. Say, see, guys, I'm, I'm out on this thing. It's not right. It's not even right. But if you are the cheerleader, there's even a problem. Because you cannot be that. What we need uh, in this country are people that understand that they, they have to be the voice of justice wherever they find injustice. You know, you understand? You don't just pander to it. Now, think about it. The priest, in Hebrews 4, he said we have a high priest. See, Christ is a priest. But the priest represents two things. The priest represents God to the people and presents the people to God. So, while at the prophet level, the prophetic level is like media. You're speaking. Your Instagram page should also speak of your prophecies. What are you proclaiming on Instagram, on Twitter? If all you proclaim are the influencers that have paid you, you are the innkeeper. Because there is no passion in all you share. You only share what you are paid for. You understand? If all you do on Instagram is to buy one million followers, we might check if the bandit is somewhere around town. You understand? Because at the end of the day, to create a false impression of who you are not. So, if they need to check whether your account has been hacked because you posted in scripture, then there is something that is not adding up. But see, all of this dimension has to be present in your life. Your Instagram platform is much more than just where you, you tell the world how cool you are. Because you're setting yourself up. Life is not always that tidy. So you create an impression and a perception of who you are to get enough likes. You understand? And it's okay. But one day you realize that things will come apart at the seams. You start living for people. The prophets don't live for people. As a prophet, you live from the audience of one. You don't need the approval of men. Forget it. That's a slippery slope. You get there, you never quite land. You're a downhill. It's a train wreck when you begin that journey. You set up the mechanism for your own demise when you decide to live for people's approval. You get? Priest, what are you representing? Who are you praying with? I don't know that you tell somebody, I'm going to pray with you. 
I'm going to pray for you, but you have no intention. You sleep all through the night. You wake up the next morning. So the prayer is in the saying it. The decent one is, you're in my thoughts. If you really want to pray for somebody, go down on your knees and have that time to pray for somebody. Enough of plastic Christianity. This superficial Christianity is not cutting it. It's not going anywhere. You get? If, if not, we should close shop and go back everywhere now. If we want to be like everybody else, just go, uh, which parish is this? I, I'm, I'm back. So some guys distracted me called the tribe, but apparently, um, that didn't go down too well. So I'm back. Alright, the last dimension is the kingship dimension. And at the, the priest level, you're, you're basically representing God. Yeah, you're proclaiming. At the king level, you're a builder. You're designing. You know what I think? Um, last year when we started tribe, I became overwhelmed. I was like, how am I supposed to be a pastor by day? And I'm going to the office. Like, and my, no, my, my company is demanding because we are quite visionary. Right. I like to use that word that very careful. So we we have we have the intention of putting Nigeria on the innovation map of the world. You want to clap to that, guys? Let me have my moment of flesh. All right, so while that was going on, I remember running to one man. The man said, um, so you, you, you run a company. I said, I said, so you want to do this full-time? When are you resigning? He said, the Lord told me to tell you. You know, I, 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 might, I think I had the concern. I said, did you think I should set up? But I know that I love my job. I know that I love my job. But you know one thing? What you are seeing is a culture that has lied to us for years. The culture said that you cannot be a priest and a king. So some back MDs, when they ordained them parish pastor, they resigned. And went to live happily ever after within the four walls of the church. Only them at the congregation lifting up holy voice and lifting up holy hands. They made no impact. The salt that was supposed to salt the city never found its way into the soup. The salt remained in the can and never touched anyone. The light that was supposed to go to darkness and permeate it, called himself into the bulb, remained in the cupboard, never left this comfort zone. So what we realize is, because there was a complete lack of representation in the world, what you find is you have a Christianity this wide and impact this deep. And that's the question I started with. Why do we have 55% of Christians in Nigeria? Yet corruption, in corruption index, we are, we've been struggling to come up top. No, it's so easy for us. Somebody displaced us, one country. For you to displace Nigeria on the list of like, this transparency index, my brother, I think they should... They should they, 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 they should start praying for the salvation of the Lord in that land. But I think we took over. We took over last year. You know, so we, we are back to where we began, guys. You don't want to clap to that. All right. But the thing, again, you need to keep in mind is when Buhari came into power, what was the problem at, at the time was insecurity. Boko Haram had decimated everywhere in the north. So we, we, we were shouting, we need a general to fix it. Corruption had not reduced, but insecurity had caught our attention. So, corruption went to number two. Insecurity became number one. In fact, that period, the churches had to put, they sent members in church that they were going to hit Lagos. Some people decided to fellowship at home. They, they never left their houses. Even some churches, you see some people, some churches had to bring security. As you're entering church, they say, please, madam, you're back. We need to be sure you're not Haramandos or whatever that is. So, at the end of the day, you have all the fear. In fact, some churches created demarcation. So that if the car blow here, you have enough leg room to run. Like, have some distance. Think about it. That girl that was kidnapped, 
the last um, Isaac, what's that community again? The last one that Damchi, you know, one of them is being held back because she refused to renounce Christ. If they lock us in now, Bukaram comes and say, Melange, you want to go first? Christ or your life? You know, think about it, guys. Because the Lagos here, the territorial spirit of Lagos is mammon. I keep telling you guys. Lagos, the problem we have in Lagos, you know, every region has a territorial problem. So, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. In high places, they are, they are, yeah, in the south-south, you know what the territorial demon is? Anybody want, you want to guess? In the south-south, what's the territorial demon, you know? No, violence. No, if you enter from Bini, to, honestly, to worry, you know, you, there they beat you for separating fights. You're supposed to watch and be entertained because it's all about making mountains. So they'll fight. Anybody that wins, you know, they say, oh, God, you, you, you do well. So the point is that there's a spirit of violence that the, the militant's spirit took over. And before long, we had all the blowing of the pipelines. And if you come down to the, to the east, you find something that is also predominant. In fact, do you know, Nigerians visit one sites a lot. I think we are the third ranking in porn consumption globally. So think about it. We are the third ranking. And they are not here, guys. They are not here. They are certainly not here. But that is how deep it is. So at the end of the day, if we rank third, and incidentally, some states that didn't even have internet penetration were featured predominantly on the list. You know, which is worrisome because if the internet penetration is at 20%, and your, your porn consumption is it you must you must stream very painfully. You understand? No, in in that process. But at the end of the day, that is what it is. So we, we are dealing honestly that you will not even realize there is a perversion, there is an infiltration of immorality that is actually penetrating everywhere. Alright, so right now, sex is recreation for some people. You had sex last night. Oh, you know, even try as we might to explain the concept of soul tie. Some people are like, oh, don't get something, don't get religious. So what about soul tie? Please don't get religious. But ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, back to kingship. Kings build institution. Kings build systems. I'm calling you to your kingship this morning. We know who we are in Christ. We pray a lot. We've done two videos this month, guys. There will be two more before the end of the month. I mean, that's how we vigil. That's how we pray. We understand the spiritual. Every day, in fact, my voice has gone because in the last two days we've been blasting. Blasting the Holy Ghost. But that's not enough. Because without the kings, we cannot change this world. I remember having a conversation with somebody that used to do a lot of kickbacks. And I asked him, I was like, you know what? Why do you do these things and you go to church? He was like, Freddie, let me give you my instance. If, if I don't do these things, I earn this amount of money. What decent house can I live in? No way. Ibafor. Ikorodu. That's where you find a three-bedroom apartment. First, I tried asking him, must you live in a three-bedroom apartment? I thought that. Let's not even start with that. But if you have to find a three-decent apartment in Lekki, you're looking at three, four, five million. So if you work in Lekki and your power norm is 3.5 million, the culture and the king that created that system I already told you that corruption is the way, the truth, and the life. So that there is no way you can have comfort without stealing. 
But if a king can come upon thee and say, you know what, I'm going to crack this thing down. You know, a plot of land in Lekki is ridiculously expensive. Because the kings who own the land have set a standard that this is what it is. The kings, they rule by decree. Wherever the word of the king is, there is power. But do you know your kingship? How are you bringing the concept of kingship into your company, into the business, into your career? A king does not pander to politics. When they try to set you up, conquer with love. Behave your way to love. Let love be your response. Because if you reduce them yourself to politics, they break your glass, you break too. You understand? No, my brother, before, before long, you've lost the ability to express salt. It's going to be painful, but that's what you're called to do. But if you don't die to self, we're back here, guys. If it, it was almost impossible for you to express love. It's so painful. Because you're taking it in me. Your mind is saying, how dare you? So, we are called to be Samaritans. Get out of your comfort zone. And let somebody that is wounded around you find hope and healing. This country is not ours to check out. I know some people want to go to Canada, go to the US, relocate. But the, the prophecies in this country is that in the last days, the glory of the Lord would come from here. I tell you for free, there is more here than anywhere else in the world. I tell you for free, you have more potential to make it here than anywhere else in the world that God has not sent you to. So if God has placed you here to live your life here, then greater the darkness, greater the need for light. Everything we complain about doesn't end when we fold our arms and write a ten paper and write the theory of corruption and write about the treaties of a country in darkness. No. The Levites can do that because they don't have understanding. The priests can cross to the other side and avoid being tampered with because their robes are too tidy. They don't want to be seen with the wrong set of people. But wherever you find those prostitutes, that's where God is sending you. Wherever you find the G-boys, that's where God is sending you. If Jesus shut out the tax collector, what hope would Matthew have? If Jesus shut out the demented, no, we would have no chance. He didn't even shut out Judas. Because Judas somehow was part of the plan. So why are you shutting people out of your life when you're called to be the light? You should invade darkness, not darkness invading you. I need to introduce you to who you are today. It's enough. We understand our prophetic side. We're always declaring. But if you cannot make war with your hands, you don't have strategy for your business and your life. Hope is not a strategy. At some point, the kings go to war. They plan with the resources they have. They sit down on the table, they dissect, they design. If you're a king and you don't have a chamber, you're no king. Kings are not seen in every club every night. The kings are not on the streets looking for people where to hang out, looking for the latest party in town. Those guys who build those clubs, they're making money on your head, selling you 100 naira coke for, for, for 2,000. And you're buying, all right, every day because you're playing to their own rules. You, you don't know who you are. Pleasure is taking you down that road, living the train wreck of destroyed lives. See, the point is, be a king. Be a king. Sit down and build something. Don't trivialize your life. Because the resources of the kingdom is in your hands. And if a king is, a, if a king is not, doesn't even know who he is, he's still about a child, we're missing it. We have people who are not manifesting anything because they don't even know who they are. We have a church that has filled people with the concept of priesthood and removed them from the concept of kingship. Realizing that God has called them to that place. We need you in politics. We need you in education. We need you in medicine. 
You see that guy in the hospital? We need doc doctors that can roll their sleeves and say, well, before they put any deposit, this guy must have life. And you speak in tongues and you lay hands and you do your work. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.